Bible and turn to Luke chapter 1. This morning we're looking at Jesus' earthly mother, his earthly mother. Now, does that sound slightly odd to you? We're used to talking about his earthly father, right? Why would we use that phrase talking about his father? He, Joseph was his earthly father, but his father was his heavenly father. So why would I use the his earthly mother phrase? Well, it's to emphasize something that we want to make sure people don't forget. And that is, Jesus is not like any other child. You did not exist before conception inside your mother. You did not exist. Some churches teach there are spirit babies in heaven and God like plugs their bodies into a baby on earth and then they grow up. That's not what the Bible teaches. You did not exist before you were conceived in your mother's womb. Jesus did exist before that. He is not only the Son of God, He also is God the Son. You can go back to the beginning of your life. Go approximately nine months before your birth date, or if you were a preemie like me, go a little more than seven months before your birthday, and that's when your life began. But His life is. When he asked, when asked his name to Moses, he said, I am that I am. He always has been, always will be. He is not like any other child. He existed, and then when he was conceived in Mary, it was called an incarnation, meaning in the flesh, carnal, the flesh, incarnation. He came from heaven inside Mary, born on earth. Now, I know there's some parents in this room who have a little baby girl they think is really special, and she is, especially considering her grandparent heritage, right, Randy? Uh, just, just magnificent hopes for this little girl. But you know what? Jesus is the one. I don't know any loving parent who didn't hold their baby and think, oh, what a joy. Even Eve did that with Cain having no idea the heartache he would bring into her life later on. But Jesus is the Son of God. God the Son lived in eternity with the Father and the Spirit. He was born into humanity. Mary is his earthly mother. But he did not need to be born. He already existed. Mary was a woman of character and virtue. And we're going to look this morning at half a dozen things or so about Mary that we see from Luke chapter 1. And just think about, we're not here to exalt Mary. We want to look at her from a biblical perspective and appreciate the uh, religious and cultural heritage of this woman who loved God and obeyed God. So uh, at the end of the service... My goal is not that you walk out or you're thinking, wow, Mary was awesome. I hope you walk out of here thinking, Mary and I have an awesome Savior, Jesus Christ, because he died for her sins and your sins and mine. Luke chapter 1, and uh, we're going to look down, oh, verse 26. Uh, yeah, 
Verse 26, now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth. Now, the sixth month, this is Jack, Zachariah. The chapter begins, Zacharias and Elizabeth, and he's a Hebrew priest serving in the temple, and the angel of God tells him they're going to have a child, and then Elizabeth is expecting a child in the sixth month. So Elizabeth is about six months along, and the angel Gabriel now comes to Mary. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name is Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. Now, as a virgin, she had kept herself pure. Uh, she was betrothed. She was engaged. A lot of couples in our culture, they get engaged, they move in together. Not Mary and Joseph. They honored their culture. They honored God. Uh, her, the virgin's name was Mary, and the angel came in. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. Would that wake you up? Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. Now, Mary was a young girl, somewhere probably 13 to 15 years old. She was living in a city of Nazareth, which was a Roman garrison. Uh, how many of you have ever lived on a military base or right outside a military base? Isn't that the best possible place on the planet? I, more crimes are committed right outside the military base, more alcohol abuse, more drugs. Uh, Camp Pendleton, you walk out the main or the back gate of Camp Del Mar on Camp Pendleton when I was in the Marine Corps, and you the very first bus stop off the base. There, it's just surrounded by bars and strip clubs. That's the culture around the military base, sadly. Well, soldiers haven't changed all that much in these 2,000 years. And this was a Roman garrison town. It was not the best place on earth, the happiest place on earth. It was for Mary eventually, but, but Mary was just a girl in a little town that nobody bragged about being from Nazareth. Well, maybe they would if it was Nazareth, Texas, but it was Nazareth, Israel, and nobody bragged about that. Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying. She was confused and trying to figure it out. She considering what manner of greeting this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he shall call his name Jesus, the Savior, the Deliverer. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Verse 20, or four, sorry, verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. 
Elizabeth was expecting, a surprise and a delight to her, and is now in the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord, or the handmaiden of the Lord, let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary rose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to the city of Judah. Mary was committed to honor her vows to God and to her betrothed. Now, in our culture, betrothal isn't, we don't have betrothal. We have engagements, we have marriages. Uh, sometimes people don't really get engaged. They just decide one night they're going to get married and go to a wedding chapel and they're married. Um, but in their culture, a betrothal was a serious legal commitment. From the time they were betrothed, they were committed to each other. And uh, like Kathy and I, when, when we actually got engaged, I was living in California in the Marine Corps. She was living in Arizona. I, I wanted to get engaged when she was in high school, but her parents suggested we wait till she graduated. So we did. And then we got engaged and uh, you're, we were married that following summer. And uh, it, but, but from that point, once we were engaged, she could have called me and said, I changed my mind. I met a nicer guy. Oh, wait, she couldn't have said that, right? Uh, uh, but, but she could have. And, and I could have called her and said, I've lost my mind. I'm not going through with it. I, you know, we, we, we could have done that. And it would have been a non-issue. Kathy and I actually had a friend who was engaged three times before he finally got married. I always felt sorry for those girls. That's a hard thing to endure. But in their culture, if Joseph and Mary broke it off, they'd have to get a divorce. You say, well, they weren't really married, but they were betrothed. They had a commitment to each other. She still lived with her folks. He still lived with his folks. But they had a legally committed relationship with each other. They just didn't live together as husband and wife till after a year of betrothal. And so she was honoring her vows to God and to her betrothed. Notice also that Mary did not exalt herself. In verse 28, the angel says, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with thee. Blessed are you among women. But she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She didn't say, oh, you know, God has finally seen my full potential. It's about time. I knew this was going to happen. No, she didn't. Uh, in verse 32, it says, he shall be great. It doesn't say Mary's going to be great. There was no plan for Mary to be considered great. Not in her own mind, not in the mind of the Lord. And there are churches today that venerate Mary, that exalt Mary, that, that encourage all, the worship of Mary. In fact, they say things like, you pray to Mary so that she can talk Jesus into answering your prayers because she has influence over Jesus. 
That's not what the Bible says. Jesus said, you pray to the Father in the name of the Son. In fact, Jesus said, or in, in the New Testament, in Acts, when the apostles and disciples are together and they're praying with Mary, not to Mary, not through Mary, praying with Mary. And Mary herself, when people came to her and asked her what they should do, she said, do whatever Jesus tells you to do. So we should respect Mary. We should appreciate her as a good example of a woman who loved God and followed God. But there is no biblical foundation at all for exalting Mary to the place of worship or calling her the mother of God. She's his earthly mother, but he was God before she was ever born, and he's still God today. So she did not exalt herself, by the way. I think she would be appalled at the way some churches uh, venerate her. But look at uh, Mary was a woman who took time to think. <laughs> to be honest with you, I've, I've been reading through a book uh, early in the revolution, uh, early in our American history, shortly after the revolution. And the way... I'm baffled that the leaders of our country who so wanted freedom could treat women and people of dark skin as property. I'm baffled that that could take place. We, we fought a war so we could have freedom and then kept people in bondage. When my grandfather was born, his mother couldn't vote in America. She still couldn't vote when my grandpa was born. And some people think women just can't handle big thoughts. We had a friend, <laughs> Kathy and I had a friend. It, our friendship kind of died off shortly after this. But he and his wife were with us, and they were staying in our house, and we were talking with him. And his wife said something, and her husband looked at her, and he said, it must be nice to be so simple-minded. Do you have the same Bible I do? Because 1 Peter 3, 7 said, if a husband doesn't respect and value his wife, God won't listen to his prayers. Well, uh, Kathy was the first woman in the history of the Bible college we went to to be able to take theology. It was reserved for men because the men were going to be pastors and the men were going to be the Bible teachers and the evangelists. And I said, she is going to lead women's ministry. She's going to lead children's ministry. She's going to be my partner. I want to be able to bounce ideas off her, you know, get wording for messages, some ideas from her. I, she needs to take theology so we can be partners in ministry. And they let her in. And ever since then, they've allowed women into theology, but they thought it was too deep. For women. So she proved they were right. She aced every test, <laughs> which really unnerved the theology instructor. That was fun. Mary was a woman who would think. She didn't just giggle and act cute, she didn't just leave the thinking to the men. She thought things through. And I appreciate that. 
Verse 29, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. She's mulling it through in her head. What's going on here? Why is this happening? Verse 34. I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 34. She said, how can this be since I know not a man? She, she understood the biology and how could she be expecting a child at this point when she's still a virgin? She, she was wondering that. And he, he explained it to her. She was thinking it through. If you turn over to chapter 2, after the shepherds came and they told her what the angels had told them out in the field, in chapter 2 and verse 20, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told to them. Uh, I'm sorry, verse 19. Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. So Mary held on to it and thought about it. The shepherds moved on with their day and moved back out and told people all about it. But Mary thought it through. She was a thinker. When she had that first problem at the marriage supper uh, in Can at the marriage in Canaan, and, the, and she said to Jesus, uh, we have a need. And he said, what do you want me to do? And she told the other people, do whatever he tells you to do. She thought it through. She was a woman who took the time to think. And let me say something here. Are you guys really listening? All the guys really listen to this. Most women do. Most women spend more time thinking about things than guys do. It's actually been medically, scientifically proven that if you ask a guy what he's thinking and he says nothing, it's true. They've put electrodes on the head. They've scanned. And when a guy says nothing, it can be nothing. However, guys, if you ask your wife what she's thinking and she says nothing, your first thought should be, uh-oh. Because when a guy says nothing, what does it mean? Nothing. When a lady says nothing, it means Nothing I want to talk with you about right now. There's a difference. So Mary was thinking. She was thinking it through. She was evaluating. She was learning. She was growing. I appreciate that. Next week, we'll look at his earthly father, and, and we'll spend time about Joseph. We're not raising up Mary and putting down Joseph. Joseph was chosen by God, too, and we'll look at that next week. But I, I, I think we need to remember also that Mary was spiritually minded. Spiritually minded. She, in, in verse 35, the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. She understood the Holy Spirit. She understood the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. She knew what the angel was talking about. She didn't say, huh? She knew. Secondly, in this verse, she understood what it meant to be holy. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that holy one who is to be born will be called the Son of God. She understood what it means to be holy, sacred, set apart from God, for God, set apart unto God. She understood the word holy. 
She understood the concept of the Son of God. Now, see, some Jewish believers didn't get that because they would say, the Lord our God, He is one God. Well, He is one God, but in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. That word used for God is plural, singular word. It means there's one God manifest in three persons. We see that show up sometimes in the Old Testament, especially in the New Testament. But see, the Apostle Paul hasn't written yet. Jesus hasn't said, be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Mary's already understanding the Holy Spirit and the Son of God. She has spiritual insight. Now, look down at verse 46. There's a song that Mary wrote or a poem that Mary wrote. She testifies. Well, it doesn't say she wrote it, but she says it. Now, before we read this, in their culture, a lot of women were not educated. It, there are cultures in the Middle East today where they think educating women is worthless. Women are for what? Procreation of the species. They have babies, they make food, they clean house. Aren't you ladies glad God has a lot higher value of women? He thinks women can worship him and love him and serve him and minister and care and grow. Well, Mary, if, as historians suggest, if she could not read, she really paid attention when her parents taught, when the priest taught in their Sabbath school, as she was learning, when the messages were brought in the synagogue, she really paid attention. Because listen to theology, and we won't take the time this morning to look at the many, many references of multiple Old Testament texts that she cites in this song. She's been paying attention and learning for years, and it now pours out of her heart. Um, chapter 1, verse 46, Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. And we should. She is blessed, but she is not the blessed virgin. She is blessed. She was a virgin at this time. Then she and Joseph had other kids. We'll look at that next week. Verse number 48. He has regarded the lowly estate of his maidservant. She, she just lived in a small village, small house, not the best neighborhood. For behold, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She is focusing on the Lord. Not saying, whoa, check it out. I'm going to be the awesome Mary. No, the Lord is the awesome one. Verse 50, for his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. She's probably been learning from her parents, learning to fear and love and follow the Lord. And, and so she's now expressing from generation to generation 
there was a, a commitment of learning from her parents and a commitment that if she has kids, she's going to guide them to follow God. Verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. Thinking through some of the Old Testament stories where God did exactly that. 52, he has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. King Saul was head and shoulders above the height of any other man in Israel. And he became king and God removed him because he was faithless. And he lifted up a guy who was a shepherd who when his father, Jesse, was told, get all your sons together to worship with Samuel, he got them all except David. And when Samuel went through all the sons, he said, do you have another one? Uh, yeah, he's a runt. He's out with the sheep. And they went and got him and they brought him and he became king. He was exalted from a nobody to king. Joseph, from a prisoner to prime minister of Egypt. God has done those things. Exalted the lowly. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry with good things. They, they ate manna in the wilderness. It grew up every day. I know it'd get a little boring to eat the same thing every day, but wouldn't it be kind of cool if your food just popped up every day? You know, we had a toaster and it wouldn't sometimes pop up. <laughs> but their food just popped up right there. Pick it up and eat it. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Now let me caution you. There are some people who talk about it's evil to be wealthy. You should give to the poor. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible said Job was one of the wealthiest men in the East, and God called him righteous. Abraham was immensely blessed by God. David, blessed by God and prospered financially. Lydia in the New Testament, a wealthy lady, seller of purple, which was the, the fabric worn by royalty. The, the thing is, you can use your money for God. If you're wealthy, don't just indulge yourself. To be honest with you, from the time I could afford ham, I have never eaten a bologna sandwich. I ate bologna for years. And as soon as we could afford ham, I have not had a bologna sandwich since. So it's okay if God has prospered you financially. You don't have to eat bologna and splurge and have spam some night. You can enjoy a good steak or some delicious chicken or, uh, you know, shrimp kebabs if you go for that sort of thing. But be generous toward God. God has given you an opportunity to make a difference. Do it. And, and Mary said, God has blessed people. Uh, the rich he sent away empty because they weren't trusting and following him. Jesus allowed the rich young ruler to walk away sorrowful because he wouldn't realize the supremacy of spiritual things. He clung to his money. So if God's blessed you with a little more money than average, don't cling to your money. Cling to your Savior. Love him. Serve him. Give as he leads you to give. Verse 54, 
He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. Here was a woman who was probably not educated, or let me say that, possibly not educated. They say culturally, historically in that age, they weren't. Some of them could have been, maybe she was, but even if she was a reader, she still retained a lot of knowledge from listening or reading, she un, and, and she brought it together to give this glorious praise of our awesome God. Mary was focused on Him, not on herself. She was worshiping Him. Now, jump back to verse 38. What did Mary say there? Was she going to obey or fuss? She's going to obey. She was obedient. She said, let it be to me according to your word. Behold the maidservant. Some say that slave, the bondservant. Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So she is submitting to the Lord by the word of God that she heard from the angel. And you and I need to submit to the Lord by the word of God that we have written in the scriptures. God will bless you if you will follow him. Does that mean if you tithe, you'll get rich? Yes, but it doesn't mean money. If you tithe, you'll have a rich life. You might have less money because you gave to the work of the Lord, but you'll be blessed richly. To obey. I always thought obedience was a great burden when I was a kid. Then when I became a dad, children obey your parents just seemed like such an easy thing, you know? But I remember once our oldest daughter said to Kathy, when Kathy said, God said, you show your love by your obedience. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And she said that to her daughter. And she said, yeah, but mom, you only had 10 of them. You got lots. Well, he had a lot more than 10. But God wants you to be characterized as obedient. And Mary was. So I want you to just think about the authorities that God allows in your life. The authorities like police officer who pull you over and it baffles you. You have no clue why. And even when they explain it to you, it doesn't make sense. How do you respond to that authority? How do you respond to the authority of your teachers, of your boss? When you're filling out your income taxes, do you report all your income? When you hire somebody to do work for you, do you pay him cash so he doesn't have to report it? It's okay to pay cash. Kathy has piano students, or parents of piano students, I guess, pay her cash. And she tells, that's fine. She reports it on her income tax because that's income she earned that's supposed to be reported. 
Do you cut corners? See, we have found in our culture a weird thing. Parents who choose to disregard the laws they know and then still expect their kids to obey them. You teach obedience by modeling obedience. Submission to God and the authorities that he allows to influence your life. Mary was obedient to the Lord. Now, what do you think? In the middle of verse 39, there's a word. Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country. What are the next two words? In haste, with haste. What does that mean? That means to do it quickly. How many of you who, how many in this room who've ever had kids or worked with kids and you've said to those kids, hurry up? Anybody ever say that? With haste. You see, Mary was eager to begin. Manana was not in her vocabulary. It was not an expression she would have used. The official meaning of manana is tomorrow, right? Or unless it's like este manana, it means this morning. But uh, when we use manana, what does it mean? Some other day. We need to, with haste, we need to do what God has called us to do and do it with haste. We need to get up and do. Mary set off with haste. She went and connected with Elizabeth. They rejoiced together. Elizabeth said praise to God. Mary said praise to God. They were rejoicing in what God was doing. There were awkwardness. Uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth were really old to be having a child. I mean, how many ladies in this room over age 70 wish you could have a child next year? Huh? I think they're trying to revive a couple ladies back there. They just passed out. They're, they're trying to stir them back up. But, but God is at work. It's not just that he was at work in Mary. He is at work in you. Now, the Bible doesn't describe for us that exact moment when Mary trusted Christ as her Savior, when she believed the Old Testament Scriptures, when she listened to His teaching as He grew up and she was around Him as an adult when He had His ministry. It doesn't record the time when she got on her knees maybe and asked God to forgive her sins and Christ to be her Savior. But the description that we have of Mary in Scripture she has done that. She believed and she trusted and she encouraged other people to follow him. So if you're here this morning and you have not asked Christ to forgive your sins, ask God to forgive your sins. If you have not asked Christ to be your Savior, if you have not believed that Christ died for your sins and that he was buried, that he rose from the grave according to the scriptures, if you haven't done that, you need to do that. If you have never receive Christ as your Savior, you need to. I, I've known several guys in my life who got saved at Christmas time because they stumbled into a church service and heard the gospel message. Christ came to save sinners. 
And He will be your Savior if you will trust Him. Once you know Him as your Savior, then you want to exalt Him and not yourself like Mary did. You want to be a thinker like Mary did. You want to keep your vows like Mary did. You want to be spiritually minded and obedient to the Lord. And you want to quickly follow Him like Mary did. But it's not all about Mary. It's all about Jesus. The question that Pilate asked long ago is a question that we will face in this life or in the life to come. What shall I do then with Jesus, who is called the Christ? Have you received him? Have you trusted him? If not, do it today. If you have, how are you doing on that obedience side? How are you doing on following Him quickly? When you feel the Holy Spirit give you an urge to maybe share Christ with somebody, do you immediately start doing it? Or do you think of all the hindrances and questions? And We need to be a people prepared and obedient to God like Mary was so we can be used by God. Not exactly like Mary, but God can work in us and through us like he did with Mary. We're going to sing a little hymn, number 460, more about Jesus, more about him, focusing on him, following him, more about Jesus. Mary, in her life, pointed people to Jesus in the early church, prayed with people together as they served Jesus. Are you following him, loving him, serving him? Let's stand as we sing.